Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Spin. Ping pong right now. All right, give me a paddle. Oh, ah. oh sorry about that. Didn't see oh that. my God! Who was the candidate? This is really uh, an Alzheimer's test. This is a, sh- a memory test. There was a gag we did during the Republican gubernatorial uh, er- election. There was one candidate who was running as a Republican. Uh, DB Darren Bailey won the. Who was it? Was it the um, the parking lot guy? Rabin was yeah. playing ping pong. Yes! The brain is still working, people. I'm not senile yet. <laughs> Well, sort of. It's, it's, it's Rabine, but anyway. Uh, what did I say? Rabine. Rabine. We're back on. Uh oh, the- Eric Zorn. Look out. Ben, <laughs> the correct pronunciation. <laughs> All right, ping pong paddle down. You know, I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, we're a little late getting this recording started uh, because I was having difficulties with my computer. I've only been podcasting for four years. You would figure out I had learned by now how to use a computer. But alas, the mysteries of the computer uh, still elude me. So I apologize to one. I'm not that anybody cares other than my distinguished guest who's sitting by. Uh, we're going to bring her on really soon. All right, Dennis. Sorry, I didn't mean to break the fourth wall. It was unnecessary. But I broke it anyway. All right. That unnecessary honesty was brought to you by Ben Jarofsky. All right. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, November 29th is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of music and bands to see. Yeah, they talk about pot every now and again and so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A. V is in victory. S-K-Y. It is Tuesday, November 29th, and this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Ed Burke Bows Out Tuesday, and here's why. Because Ed Burke Bows Out, and it's Tuesday. That's why. Before I get to that, let me get to this. I have stuffed my head with so much political stuff that it's about to explode. My head, that is. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, I have put so much politics into this little brain of mine. I don't know how I could take any more. I mean, we're talking national politics, local politics, state politics. We're talking about current elections, old elections. I'll start with this. I'm going back to 1983. Harold Washington is my brain. He's always in my brain. I love that man. But he's in my brain right now because Maya Dukmasov and I will be doing a promontory show 
uh, on December 6th, first Tuesday. We'll have Leslie Harrison. We'll have Rosanna Rodriguez on stage. We'll have Joe Winston, the director of Punch Nine, will be there. He'll show clips from his movies. We'll talk about the city council then and now. And Harold, and I've just been thinking about you, Harold Washington. Why, why, oh, why did you have to die so soon? Harold Washington is in my brain. December 6th, ladies and gentlemen, remember that. I got the mayor's race. It's in my brain. We're talking about that with Kelly Garcia uh, really soon. We're talking to the mayor's race. He was there yesterday when Chewy uh, filed his petitions. Uh, Kelly Garcia for my beloved, beloved, I can't even talk anymore, uh, Chicago reader. I got the aldermanic races in my brain. Kelly and I will be talking some aldermanic elections. She's got a lot of those in her brain, too. Her brain's blowing up right now. You just seen Kelly and me on the phone this morning. Stuff in our brain. So much stuff in our brains, it's falling out the ears. And then, I mean, I don't even have time to talk Trump. Trump meeting with Nick Fuentes and yay. Like, it's like, are you kidding me? You think it's cool to have dinner with these two freaking anti-Semites? One is a Holocaust denier. We'll be talking about that with uh, Monroe. He's so fired up to talk. There's so much going on politically. I can't even talk Trump. Anyway, what else is on my mind? Oh, Ed Burke. I just have to, I'm going to have to. Just riff on Ed Burke. We'll bring Kelly Garcia on. So Ed Burke resigned. Well, he didn't technically resign. He did. He uh, did not file his uh, to run again. Did not file signatures. Waited until the last minute. You know what I mean? Like he didn't announce or anything. He just did not file the closing yesterday. Final day for filing. If you're going to run for uh, alderman was yesterday, Monday. He didn't file. So therefore, it's resigning. There'll be a. Uh, Ed Burke's name will not be on the ballot for Alderman in the 14th Ward. First time a Burke's name has not been on the ballot in the 14th Ward since, the, I don't know, the 50s, because his dad was the Alderman. I mean, a long, long time ago. All right. Now, I know when someone of significant steps down, you're supposed to say something nice about him. Okay. And uh, Sun Times, Chicago Sun Times tribute to Ed Burke was filled with glowing praise of Ed Burke. I'm having a little trouble jumping on this bandwagon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm being as honest as I can. I can't think of one thing nice to say about Ed Burke, former alderman of the 14th Ward, former finance chair committee, uh, excuse me, chair of the finance committee. Uh, He uh, was the man who sat on every single budget, every single TIF deal, millions and millions of dollars in contracts went through his committee for approval. All powerful Ed Burke. I can't think of one good thing to say about him. He's under indictment right now. So I guess that's kind of good because it's forcing Chicago to wake up to the reality that its system is so corrupt. So I guess that's kind of good. I mean, in the Sun-Times today, they were bending over backwards to say nice things about Ed Burke. They had quoted Joe Moore, former alderman of the 49th Ward. And here's what Joey said. Uh, Ed Burke will go down as one of the most influential and powerful aldermen in the history of the city of Chicago. You will never see the likes of him again, says Alderman Joe Moore. Man, what kind of, come on, Joe. I've known Joe Moore forever. Joe Moore graduated Evanston Township High School. He was a smart kid at Evanston High School. He was all in, in all the honors classes. But for such a smart guy, Joe, come on. That was like so, I don't know, reverential. Unnecessarily so. Ed Burke, you know this, Joe Moore, had power in the city council because he cut deals with the powerful mayors. The mayors called the shots. Ed Burke just did the dirty work. He just moved stuff through the city council. Anyone can do that. 
Any competent alderman could do that. Anyone who is knows anything about Robert's rules of order could do that. Dr. D could spend two days studying, <laughs> studying Robert's rules of orders and do it. Kelly Garcia, give her one hour. She could probably do it right now. Kelly Garcia could probably do it right now. Doesn't take a genius, a rocket scientist, they say, to learn Robert's rules of orders and get the all-powerful mayor's stuff to the city council. I mean, you act like he was doing something that nobody, the world was one way. Then Ed Burke came and it was a different way. No, before Ed Burke, there was Tom Keene. He did the same thing. Anybody could get the mayor's agenda through the city council in the old days when the aldermen were bowing down to the, to the mayor. So I, what, all he, all he was doing was playing the game. Right now, Scotty Wagaspack could do it. So come on, Joe Moore. You know better than that. How about this one? What is, uh, oh, here we go. This is Raylo. Come on, Raylo. And Raymond Lopez of the 15th Ward goes, Burke's outsized footprint is all over legislation that has impacted everyday life in Chicago. That includes a trailblazing ban. <laughs> a trailblazing ban on indoor smoking. Ladies and gentlemen, I could give you an hour on indoor smoking. I could give you a freaking two hours on indoor smoking. Chicago was the joke of America when it came to banning indoor smoking. Ed Burke had nothing to do with the ban on indoor smoking. You know who we have to thank for that? Blagojevich. Rod Blagojevich. Hey, Blago, you say I'd never say anything nice about you. I'm going to say something nice about you. You're the reason we have a ban on indoor smoking in Chicago. Mayor Daly, follow me in this, ladies and gentlemen. I know this is going to the past. Kelly Garcia is going, Ben, you got to focus on the present, not the past. Just let me, just bear with me on this one, Kelly. So there was a time in the 90s and coming into the O's where you could smoke indoors. I know this because I bowl every Monday night and the place was filled with smokers and they were blowing smoke in my face. I hated it. I hate cigarette smoke. I'd be like, ugh. I must really love bowling to put up with it. I'd come away smelling like a cigarette factory. All right. So all the major like lung associations, heart association, were imploring the mayor, please ban smoking in restaurants and bars and bowling alleys and taverns, et cetera, and so forth. It's bad for the employees. It's bad for the people who don't smoke. It's like spreading cancer. And somebody put in the mayor Daly's ears. They got into his brain. Some guy, some restaurant owner told Mayor Daly, a bus. If we ban smoking in restaurants in Chicago, it'll give the suburbs where smoking is legit an advantage over us. And Mayor Daly thought he was doing a favor to the restaurant industry. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you something about cigarette smoking. I've never smoked, but I've known a lot of cigarette smokers who do. It's an addiction. And guess what? When cigarette smokers can't smoke indoors, they just go outdoors. They're addicts. They have to smoke. <laughs> You've seen them. They're on the street. They're like, get that token. <laughs> All the guys in the bowling alley just went outdoors as soon as they banned it. But I remember they put in Daly's ears. So Daly was like they would have these hearings. And, and uh, oh, God, Mike Ditka showed up, the former coach of the Bears. Mike Ditka showed up. He had a restaurant downtown. He was like decrying his proposed ban on smoking. Like it's the first stage towards socialism, toward communism. We are fools in the city of Chicago. So Mayor Daley, they finally, he had to pass it. It would have been an embarrassment. Every other city in the country was banning smoking. They finally passed it. But he, like, gave them a year to implement it. A freaking year. What do you need a year for? You ban it? You can do it today. You can't do it tomorrow. 
What? What do you need a year? And then Blago said, the hell with that. He, he, he got a law passed banning smoking statewide. That preempted Chicago. All of a sudden, you couldn't smoke in the bowling alley. Thank you, Blago. Thanks for nothing daily. Ed Burke had nothing to do with it. And there was nothing influential about it. It was a freaking ban on cigarettes. <laughs> Only in Chicago would we hail a ban on cigarette smoking. What did they say? Trailblazing. And finally, don't get me started on council wars. We'll be talking about it at the Promontory in Hyde Park, not far from where Harold Washington once lived. And uh, Leslie Harrison will be there. And Rosanna Rodriguez will be there. All the women of Rosanna Rodriguez. And Maya Dukmasabo will be there. Joe Winston will be there. We'll be talking about council wars. In my book, Ed Burke had a moment where he could have made a stand for Chicago that would have left a really glowing legacy for him as a white man in a mostly white ward in 1983, a Democrat, he could have stood with Harold Washington, Democrat and Democrats, and said, I support the mayor, just like he supported Mayor Daley. But no, he joined forces with Eddie Verdoliak and launched council wars. The sole purpose was to rile up white people to vote against Harold in 1987 so they can get back in office. They exploited the worst fears and prejudices that white people in Chicago had for black people. And they did it for their political advantage. Nothing was gained for that. For I do not know what's in the heart of hearts for Ed Burke or Eddie Verdoliak when it comes to blacks and whites. I just know when they had their moment to take a stand, they were worthless. They were worse than worthless. That is his legacy. No matter how you try to sugarcoat it, no matter how you try to pretend as though something has changed, you know, he didn't stand up with Harold. And as an old baby boomer whose brain still works, I remember it. And I cannot forgive him for it. You get so few chances in life, ladies and gentlemen, to do the right thing. And when that moment came for Ed Burke, he did the wrong thing. So, Ed Burke, it's not such a great legacy that you have as Joe Moore and Raylo have to say, Raylo, come on, you're better than that, Raylo. I'm going to bring Raylo on just to have this debate. You know better than that. I say good riddance. All right. That's me on Ed Burke. I'm going to bring on Kelly Garcia, uh, my partner in crime at my beloved Chicago Reader. And uh, we've been waiting for this moment for a long time. Welcome back, Kelly. Thanks for having me, Ben. Yes. So um, Kelly is a political junkie as I am, uh, and she is really on top of what's unfolding in Chicago and all the wards, the mayor's race. Uh, and let's start with the mayor's race. Uh, Kelly, you were there. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, that gives us an opportunity to also talk about your Paul Vallis scoop from the summer, which I absolutely love because uh, he's also running for mayor. But uh, you were there yesterday when Jesus Chewy Garcia finally got around uh, to um, submitting his signatures to get on the ballots. Just tell folks a little bit of what that scene was like. Go ahead. Yeah, for sure. Um, before I get into that, actually, I want to I want to share a little anecdote about Ed Burke, because um, I know I'm of a particularly uh, different age group. And so I have a different memory and history of him than, than uh, most people do. But I was introduced to Ed Burke in 2019. I was a student journalist. Um, I was uh, working for City Bureau at the time, covering um, like government meetings as a, a documenter. You know, we live tweet public meetings. 
And my assignment, this was like early, this was like December 2019. My assignment was to cover uh, one of the city council meetings. And this is one of the most tense city council meetings because it was the meeting in which the Black Caucus was trying to delay marijuana sales in the city uh, by six months. So this was like very, you know, it was all over the news. People were, you know, there were cameras in that room. Um, which they usually are, but it was just a lot of attention in, in this particular meeting. Um, and so I was live tweeting it, the vote, uh, it, it actually failed. Um, they didn't delay the, the sale. It, it, it went on to, to be enacted January 1st. Um, and so after that whole, like that whole show went down, um, and the cameras, you know, people with cameras started packing up, um, the people in the audience started leaving. Everyone started leaving because he thought the meeting was essentially over. But my job was to stay there until the meeting really ended. So I had to cover everything, right? Um, so I thought there wasn't going to be any more big news um, for the rest of that meeting. And then one of the last few items on the agenda was a resolution honoring Fred Hampton. Um, it was actually uh, introduced by, I think it was Andre Vasquez. It was, uh, was to make... December, I want to say something, December 4th, like Fred Hampton Day or something like that. Um, yeah. And um, I thought it was going to be an easy yes, like unanimous vote. And Anna Valencia starts going down the roll call. Everyone's saying yes, yes, or, or yay, or whatever they say. And then it gets to Ed Burke. <laughs> and he said nay. He voted against honoring Fred Hampton and mind you I had no idea who Ed Burke was right but I was like what the hell like why would like why say no against this meaning meaningless really it's the symbolic resolution like we're not we're not putting any money towards something like you're just passing a resolution in honor of Fred Hampton why say no like why make such a huge gesture against this um and of course after he said no uh, his allies in the council also joined in, in saying no. I believe Spazzato, uh, Napolitano also voted no. Um, and that's when I learned about Ed Burke. I learned that he was incredibly racist. <laughs> I, I learned that that wasn't the first time he'd voted no against an honor, a resolution honoring Fred Hampton. In the 90s, actually, he um, withdrew his name from a resolution honoring Fred Hampton. Um, and everything you just mentioned, uh, Ben, I, I learned along the way as well. And so, um, you know, I'm, I did not live through the council wars. I did not live through all the deals that he made with all the, with all the mayors, but, um, just that experience alone, um, to me really shaped my understanding of who he was. So, um, I just wanted to share that quick anecdote. No, I know don't know him like that. No, that's yeah. a great anecdote. Fred Hampton, of course, uh, the leader of the Black Panther Party, was killed uh, in his apartment uh, on the near west side on December uh, 4th or 5th. Suddenly, that, that exact date uh, eludes me. It was either 4th or the 5th, depending on what side of midnight it was, uh, 1969. And um, it was such a traumatic moment in Chicago history. The guy was assassinated. The guy was in his bed. Uh, and the police did a raid, came in guns blaring, blazing. And then the, the story that went out um, was that the, the, the Panthers had been engaged with the police in a firefight and they were shooting at the cops. And it turned out that all the bullets except for one was coming in. And the one that actually was out, they might, it may have been a, a ricochet or something. So uh, it was a hit job that was sanctioned by uh, the state's attorney uh, and uh, the FBI. A horrific moment. Uh, in Chicago history. Uh, and yes, 
uh, Ed Burke, who always prided himself as a historian, would still be standing with the Ed Hanrahan's and the Richard J. Daly's and the J. Edgar Hoover's on that raid. That's what you're really saying, Kelly, uh, in your t- uh, reminiscence about that. And a disgrace because supposedly that was the other thing they said about he evolved. He's not the same man that he was in 1983 when he defied Harold Washington. That's the spin that they put on him. They always feed us this propaganda. Kelly Garcia can't take it anymore, but that's, yeah, you're right. He was still fighting the black Panthers. He was still fighting the black Panthers. And the other alderman that you mentioned, Spazzato, uh, Napolitano, of course, the most conservative members of the Chicago city council right now. We talk about them all the time. Uh, Nick admits he voted uh, for Donald Trump. So uh, yeah, that, that's Ed Burke. Ladies. That's your Ed Burke that you're honoring uh, Chicago. But anyways. Yeah. Thank you uh, for, for letting me share that. I know we're talking about Chewy here in the mayor's race. Um, so yeah, let's get back to that. Um, so yesterday I went to the Chicago board of elections office. They have a new one now over at Clark and Lake. Um, it's a bigger space. Uh, compared to 2019, it was a tiny little office. Um, and it was the last day for people who are trying to get on the ballot for the February 2023 municipal elections um, to file petitions, nominating petitions. Um, so I got there right before four o'clock, and already there was a crowd of Chewy Garcia supporters. They were all waving their Chewy for Mayor signs. Um, he got there um, right after four, and he was the first person in line uh, to to submit his nominating petition. So, um, yeah, he had his stack of petitions. He had 50,000 uh, signatures um, or pages, um, but it was a huge stack. I mean, you compare that to uh, Lightfoot or even Brandon Johnson's stack. It was huge. Um, he got way more signatures um, than, than those two candidates. But um, in his stack, he had it wrapped in plastic, and he had a mustache taped in front. Because <laughs> <laughs> as you know, Chuy Garcia has his uh, famous mustache, which yeah. most people recognize him for. So. Um, but, yeah, he had basically a parade of people following him as he walked through the line, as he, uh, you know, met the um, – the, the staffers to submit his petitions. Um, so yeah, he, you know, he had everyone's attention in the room. I mean, you know, I've said this before, but to me, uh, I, say, I say this respectfully, but Chewy to me, like in person, physically, is a little underwhelming. Like if I passed by him on the sidewalk, I wouldn't notice him. Cause he's just like, you know, anyone's uncle, like he's your, you know, the, the uncle or your grandpa at the party. Like you don't really like, he's very quiet and he walks very humbly. And so he doesn't like call attention in that way. And so to me, that crowd yesterday, um, you know, if he was just by himself, I wouldn't have noticed him. It really speaks to the amount of support that he has. Um, this isn't the first time that he's running for mayor. He ran in 2015 against Ron Emanuel. He made it to the runoff, but did not win. Um, and then uh, it's not the first time he's holding office either. He has, he's been a state senator. He's been an alderman. He's been a commissioner. Uh, he's now a U.S. congressman. Um, so, you know, this is not Chewy's first time in the rodeo. He is a veteran politician. Um, you know, he's made his name in the community. Um, a lot of Latinos in the city, not even just Latinos, but a lot of people in the city recognize Chewy Garcia. Um, so he has a huge advantage. Um, but yeah, last yesterday was, was the last day for, for people to submit nominated petitions. And it was him. It was also Lori Lightfoot who submitted petitions earlier in the morning. Um, and then Roderick Sawyer, I believe, also uh, submitted petitions around the same time as Chewy. 
All right. Uh, so let's uh, take a uh, follow up uh, on the Chewy thing. I said this to you before we went on the air. I'll, I'll repeat it because uh, you had a very interesting response. So uh, last night at bowling, uh, I was talking to some of the MAGA guys at the bowling alley. There's a few. Uh, and I asked them who they were going to vote for for mayor i presume they were going to say paul ballas we'll get into that uh, you've covered ballas so you know a thing or two about paul ballas he's definitely the maggiest person uh in the race and um to my amazement they said they're leaning toward chewy jesus chewy garcia who when he uh was sent to congress was sort of lining himself with the squad in Congress uh, a little bit in those early days, particularly he lined himself with the, the leftiest Congress people. Uh, and uh, I was like, wow, that caught me off guard that somehow or other uh, Jesus Chewy Garcia has just uh, emanated a certain vibe that MAGA supporters were, were feeling him there that, that now it's a long time to go before the election, which is in February, but that initial uh, statement of support, or at least that they were considering voting for Chewy, sent a different message to me. I'm thinking, this guy really does have a chance because uh, I just thought his base was among Latino voters. Your thoughts on what um, Chewy, sort of that, that that early support that I just noticed, just very, uh, you know, it's just one little anecdote uh, from MAGA men. You had a very interesting comment to me before we went in the air. Talk about that. Yeah, for sure. So two things. One, and we can talk about this after, about, you know, Chewy is is leaning more to the right, honestly. Um, you know, he's he's almost pandering to, to moderate voters uh, for a lot of different reasons. But I think I really want to talk about the Latino, quote-unquote, vote. Because uh, a lot of people think that Latinos vote all in the same way. We have different, uh, we have the same interests, the same backgrounds. But really, you know, we're, we're nuanced. But the reality is, um, especially in Chicago, um, you know, I've been noticing a lot of Latinos, especially older Latinos, um, who are more conservative leading, who are, um, you know, relying on some of their cultural beliefs and also, um, you know, looking towards police as a more immediate solution uh, for, for crime in the city. And so what I've noticed is that one, there's a huge number of Latinos in Chicago who are police officers who, um, you know, want to see more police in their communities. Um, and that to me just says that they're looking for candidates, mayoral candidates who, um, are not necessarily trying, are not necessarily the defund the police candidates. Um, and so, I'm not surprised at all to hear that, you know, there's uh, <laughs> MAGA supporters or, uh, you know, police supporters who are now backing Chewy Garcia. Now, let's also look at Chewy Garcia's endorsements. Um, so if you look at um, his candidate filings with the Illinois State Board of Elections, he actually recently um, accepted a donation from uh, the head of Monterrey Security. So they are a private security company. Um, they're very, very politically connected and they often have contracts with the city of Chicago. Um, so I believe they, um, they've also have to check on this, but I believe they also provided security during a lot of the protests in 2020. Um, and they do provide security for, uh, big events like Lollapalooza, um, or other music festivals across the city. Um, so they, the head of Monterey security, Juan Gaitan actually, uh, 
uh, gave a, I believe a 2,500 donation to Chewy Garcia and he accepted it. Um, I also noticed a donation from Chewy Garcia to uh, George Cardenas, who was the former 12th Ward Alderman, um, a $5,000 donation over the summer. So that, to me, tells me that he has been, uh, you know, flirting with a different crowd. <laughs> because uh, for a long time, uh, you know, Chewy Garcia has been that progressive candidate uh, from the Pilsen Little Village, southwest side, um, you know, community, homegrown guy. He's uh, very grassroots. Uh, and now, you know, we're seeing him essentially start to, to build relationships with the people that he once used to, to go against. Um, so actually recently, I don't know if you saw this, Ben, but he announced November 10th. Um, and in his, uh, in his interview with Franz Spielman over at the Sun Times, um, at one point, she asked him about his connections to um, the former Illinois House Speaker, Mike Madigan, uh, who I believe is now indicted, right? <laughs> um, and he said that, you know, he endorsed Michael Madigan in his last run in 2019 um, because the late um, Karen Lewis, the former head of the Chicago Teachers Union, actually encouraged him to do so. Um, and... The CTU and uh, the late uh, Karen Lewis's husband, um, God, I'm forgetting his name, John, uh, Lewis. John Lewis. Yes, um, they actually, you know, they 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 released a statement right after he he gave that interview to, to Franz Spielman, saying that they were essentially hurt by his comments because that's not um, what what Karen had actually said or done, um, and they were upset to see him using Karen Lewis as a um, you know, for, for political reasons. Um, so, you know, I think there's clearly a, a, a divide right now um, between the left and, or within the left and, and the progressive uh, crowd in Chicago because of, of Chewy Garcia and also because of Brandon Johnson's candidacy. Um, I personally would say that Chewy Garcia jumping into the race uh, after Brandon Johnson had announced weeks earlier undermines his efforts uh, undermines Brandon Johnson's efforts as a black man who's running with the support of a lot of progressive groups, a lot of uh, labor unions. Um, it's true that Trey Garcia has a, has a solid shot. I mean, he really does have that name recognition right now. If, you know, I had to say who, who could win the race, I'd say it's Chewy. Um, but does that mean he's the right candidate? Is it the right time for Chewy Garcia or do we need someone like Brandon Johnson or is there another candidate um, that is, is fitting for the city of Chicago right now? Um, I think those are questions that are, 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 um, are good to ask. And so this is, that's the division that I'm noticing right now uh, within progressive. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, a fascinating moment uh, for lefties in Chicago, uh, Kelly, as you're getting into, because I remember Chewy Garcia, whether or not Karen Lewis would support him now, uh, I think it's pretty clear Karen Lewis would support Brandon Johnson, who's a member of her union. But uh, che Chewy Garcia was plucked from anonymity by Karen Lewis in 2015 to run. So in that regard, he has a, an affiliation uh, or a tie or a dependency on her, you could say, that is uh, just you can't ignore it. Also, additionally, Harold Washington got Chewy Garcia's start. Uh, the greatest champion in Chicago independent uh, history, the greatest mayor we ever had, in my whole opinion, uh, gave Chewy Garcia his start. You can't deny 
those facts. Uh, and then in 2000, what was it? Just this last uh, election cycle, Chuy Garcia and Bernie Sanders endorse uh, Jonathan Jackson for Congress in the first congressional district. It was uniting on the left. He was very much a candidate on the left. And you're right. I'm watching him move to the center for this election to sort of distinguish themselves from lefties. Uh, Victor Reyes, I noticed, was uh, one of his campaign advisors, old HDO guy, was is a campaign advisor, which is so wild, so trippy. Uh, my, my head is like, you talk about the beginning of the show, my head's exploding, Kelly. Uh, when yeah, there was, there was a point in history, yeah, there was a point in history where the HDO was fighting, was they, un- they actually successfully unseated Chuy Garcia from the state Senate. Yes. There was a point in history where that was true. It's it's wild seeing how that changed. Yeah, Tony Munoz defeated him in the 90s, and that's total HDO. They were Mayor Daly's uh, affiliate in Hispanic communities. They, they didn't even need to spo- support a Hispanic guy. They just did whatever Daly did. I mean, they, voted, they supported John Pope against Hispanic uh, automatic candidates in the 10th Ward. So it is so, it just, it really does blow my mind to see all these changes. And they, I guess the good spin is evolutions, isn't that? That they try to make Ed Burke evolved as a human being. That's what they said. And then you reminded me that. He voted against Fred Hampton. Uh, not so much of an evolution, huh, folks? Um, but uh, all right. So we see that's going to be a fight uh, of sorts on the left between Brandon Johnson uh, and Chewy Garcia. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the MAGA vote. Uh, Paul Vallis, I just worked from the assumption that Paul Vallis would be, since he is the maggiest uh, candidate in the race, uh, would have the, the lead on the MAGA vote. And then last night, I just, Purely anecdotal, some kind of bowling alley, I admit. It was just totally, but like, mm, open my eyes uh, that maybe the MAGA vote isn't as solid uh, for Paul Vallis uh, as I thought. Why don't you uh, lay out uh, Paul Vallis's claim, since you're the one who, I always give you credit for breaking the story, and then you always correct me, somebody else broke it. What, I'm giving Kelly Garcia credit for breaking the story <laughs> uh, about Paul Vallis uh, going to speak to Awake and his ties to Jeannie Ives, etc. Go ahead, Kelly. Yeah, so Paul Vallis spoke at a fundraiser back in June, maybe July now, uh, um, for Awake Illinois, which is a nonprofit uh, based in the suburbs that is known for its transphobic rhetoric. Um, And they actually um, were accused of also inciting uh, a hate crime, essentially, against uh, a bakery out in the suburbs who was hosting a drag show. and so we reported on that in uh, early August, and Paul Vallis uh, denied knowing anything about Awake's transphobic rhetoric, um, even though like <laughs> it had been reported on multiple times before the fundraiser. Um, but he, he did apologize for, for attending that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting that you mentioned the MAG, though, especially because of, of your bowling alley uh, story. Because, though... Though I said earlier, you know, I, I think Chewy is, is leaning more to the center. I would say it's a reach to say that the MAGA vote, you know, is is in any way like getting, you know, attracted to Chewy. I still think that that Paul Vallis has that vote, um, especially considering Raymond Lopez is no longer running for mayor. Um, he uh, he he actually uh, withdrew from from the mayoral race last Monday on the first day that uh, nominated petitions were due. Um, 
because he didn't want to split up the vote uh, and give uh, Lori Lightfoot an advantage, which I think is a, a, a nice excuse. I think the more, uh, what really might have happened is that he just didn't get enough signatures because he need 12,500 signatures to get on the ballot. That's my guess, uh, but he did, he did claim otherwise. Uh, but anyways, yeah, so that's, uh, Paul Vallis honestly is probably going to get uh, most of that conservative MAGA Republican uh, vote in the city right now because he, he really speaks to the audience. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's Paul Vallis. <laughs> I, I'm, it's going to be interesting to see I, the way I um, view this. And I've said this on the show many times and I'll be saying it many times more. Everything is about the runoff right now, ladies and gentlemen, I do not believe anyone's going to get more than 50% in this first round. So it's all about being one of the top two candidates. And uh, so you need a dedicated lane, if you will, of supporters that you can count on that have to accumulate. And I'm just doing this ballpark figure, Kelly, based on the last uh, election, 2019, roughly 15%. You know, it's, it, it's, I know it's a little different now than it was then. Ron was out of the race. So it was wide open, but roughly 15%. You, you should, you have to get if you're going to make the runoff and uh, it could be as high as 20%, whatever. The point is, I see Jesus Garcia having the potential to do that with the Latino vote and uh, just the fact that he's so known. I think the support that the MAGA guy gave for Jesus is that he's like, he's a nice guy. He's been around. So he's already known to Chicago voters. That means a lot. The reason why I say Paul Vallis can make the runoff is because MAGA is 15% of the city. That's what uh, roughly what Trump got. Uh, when he ran for uh, president in 2020, uh, Darren Bailey got roughly that amount uh, when he ran for governor this time around, Bruce Rauner, roughly that vote. So, you know, right wing MAGA, uh, that that crowd, that's they can't win an election in Chicago, but they could get 15 percent to put somebody in the, uh, the the runoff. Then it would be really interesting to watch how Paul Vallis tries to negotiate and navigate with Chicago voters, most of whom are at least liberal or centrist Democrats, around the fact that he is pals with Jeannie Ives, uh, pals with Johnny Catanzaro over the Fraternal Order of Police, showed up at that awake rally, and wake people are out of their freaking minds. So I don't know if he can do that uh, once uh if he were to make a runoff, what kind of changes? How do you see Paul Vallis based on just how he tried to duck and dodge the awake thing, trying to convince Chicago liberals to vote for him? Go ahead. You know, I, I hate to, to be dismissive of Paul Vallis, but I have to, I have to bring attention to Willie Wilson because I actually think he might have that matter about, uh, I think he might have the potential to make the runoff. And I say that because people tend to forget about, the black Republican vote as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of black people in the city of Chicago who are also really upset and frustrated with, with Democrats. I mean, let's be real, right? Um, Paul Valley, as it comes to liberal vote, um, you know, good question. Um, I think that he's going to, I think he's really, one, he's going to need to pander to like front liberals, which is uh, Lori Lightfoot's base. Um, and I think how he's going to, do that, I think he's going to have to rely on his, 
you know, school experience. He talks a lot about being the former uh, CEO of Chicago Public Schools. So he also got a lot of backlash for introducing uh, the idea of school choice. Um, and so I don't know how he's going to do that, but that's my only guess is he's going to have to talk to parents who, uh, you know, don't want their kids in Chicago Public Schools anymore. Um, and he's going to have to talk to those people who want their kids in charter schools and private schools and get their vote. That's my guess because that's the only base that I can think of of, of, of Paul Vallis winning um, that, you know, isn't going to be Lori Lightfoot's. But, um, yeah, I got to say, I think Paul Vallis's real challenge here is Willie Wilson um, because, yeah, people forget he's a Republican. <laughs> um, so that's, yeah, that's my two cents. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, when Willie Wilson was on the show, I remember we were having a lot of fun uh, asking him, did you vote for Trump? And he was ducking and dodging on that one. <laughs> we all knew he did, but he, he didn't want to admit it. You go, why is that important? Because <laughs> it's a pretty huge statement. It's pretty important. Isn't it funny, uh, Kelly? Whenever I, I talk to uh, Chicago pals who want to just stay, uh, you know, viable in the Chicago, they 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 act as though who they voted for uh, in president presidential races is big secret that they can't reveal. It's hilarious. <laughs> I had a conversation with Charles Thomas about this, who was. Uh, uh, it came out for um, Darren Bailey in the governor's race. And he goes, that's my, uh, that's a privileged information. I go, so I went back in time. I told him every single candidate I voted for, for president. I'm not ashamed. I voted for this one. I voted for that one. I, and he, yeah. Silence. They're ashamed. You guys are embarrassed. You're embarrassed to say you voted for Trump, but you're right. Good point on Willie Wilson. Uh, he has a lane to the runoff as well. Uh, and in, in many ways, he and Paul Vallis will be fighting over uh, a same of the vote. Willie Wilson was more or less on the front lines, if you recall, uh, in the, the uh, resistance to wearing, uh, well, not being able to go to church uh, during the height of COVID. If you recall, uh, Willie Wilson was on the front lines of that. He showed up at a church on the north side of Chicago as a sign of sympathy. Uh, they were parishioners had gathered in the height of it all like i want to say like may of 2020 uh so you raise a good point willie wilson he also he also did a gas giveaway you know people yeah. are gonna remember him for that too um you know when 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 gas prices were really high he was out there early in the morning giving yeah. out free gas to people who were trying to get to work people are gonna remember that yeah no they will remember that all right let's move uh, on and talk some automatic races uh you're Let's see. Let's start with uh, which one do you want to start with? Uh, about twenty-five. That I think that's 25. your home ward. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about the race for Alderman in the twenty-fifth ward. Yeah, 25th Ward, so that encompasses Pilsen, and now after this new redraw, it also encompasses Little Village. Um, the current alderman, uh, Byron C. Lopez, um, he had uh, a very challenging first term, I'll say that. Um, the man had a man, he has a tough ward. Um, you know, there's a lot of um a lot of concern with public safety and violence in the ward, um, especially recently. Um, there's a lot of concern about affordable housing in the ward. Um, so he has two challengers, um, one familiar, Ida Flores. Um, she's running again. She ran last time in 2019 as well. Um, she's not making to the runoff. But this time, um, honestly, I'm, you know, I, I'm raising her chances a little higher here. I think this, there's a possibility there could be a runoff between Cicha Lopez and Ida Flores. Um, there's also Danny Montes. Um, he's a firefighter. 
and he was, you know, he's a community guy. He's from Little Village. Um, he was under some 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 fire recently. The community members in Little Village were really upset by his comments on a podcast a couple months ago. He, um, and again, I haven't listened to the whole thing, so it's possible that it was taken out of context. But uh, from the clips that I saw, he he said that gentrification. Um, was a positive thing for the community and that it uh it beautified the neighborhood that it um it brought revenue into the neighborhood and you can already imagine how a lot of uh long-time residents uh, from Pilsen and Little Village who were displaced felt um you know uh by those comments and so um right now I would say Ida Flores and, and Cicha Lopez are are the top contenders um but yeah you know Byron Man, I would say he's a very principled man. He's someone who's gotten into heated arguments with with the mayor and city council. He will get into yelling matches, uh, and and you know, but, but you never doubt on which side of of, of the table he's on. You never doubt uh, what his values are. Uh, but that means that he's also at times isolated himself, um, and so um, you know, I think a lot of people are are you know. Are upset with him. I've, you know, I know he has a lot of uh, bridges to rebuild, but um, for the most part, I also think um, just from talking to community members and residents, you know, um, he's someone that actually tries to listen to his constituents, and so um, I'll be curious to to hear from residents about what they think and how they feel in this upcoming election. Yeah, Byron, a uh, good friend of the show, comes on the show many times along with his wife. Uh, who is um, EPA uh, scientist and activist. Uh, shout out, Laureen. Uh, I made a bet with Byron. I don't know if I ever told you this story. I've told the listeners this before. I made a bet. with. I can't remember the bet. It was one of my stupid bets where I lost. Uh, and I had to buy him dinner. So we went to Chinatown. And it was about uh, May or so. I got COVID right after that dinner. I just want to say, Kelly, so I'm not blaming you, Byron. I'm just saying. Point is, I don't know if you've ever been with Byron Cicho Lopez in Chinatown. That used to be in his ward. And, oh, my goodness, people are, like, coming up to him. What can we do for you, Alderman? You're the greatest Alderman who ever lived. And then they would tell him their problem. Man, the man didn't sit down and have dinner. It was just the whole time because he was talking to the, the, the people who run the restaurant. And uh, that's not in his ward. I, I'm, I'm not sure what to make of that. He did very well in Chinatown in his last go around against, um, who was it, uh, Danny Solis' candidate. And I don't know what impact taking Chinatown out of that ward will have. You follow what I'm saying? Uh, and so it's kind of a new territory. Uh, yeah. Around. It's and it's to be honest with you, I think it's going to be a challenge because now he has Little Village, and you would think that that might be an advantage, but I don't think it is because Little Village is Chuy Garcia's territory, and contrary to what we saw in 2015, Chuy Garcia and Cicho Lopez are not on good terms anymore. And actually, in 2019, when Byron ran, uh, Chuy Garcia actually endorsed his opponent, Hilario Dominguez. Um, so they haven't been on good terms for a while. So. You know, I, I, Chewy Garcia hasn't endorsed anyone in the 25th Ward race yet. Um, I don't know if Ida Flores is, is trying to, is seeking his endorsement, but it's possible that Chewy Garcia might endorse someone else in that race too. And so that will be a really huge challenge for Byron because, again, Little Village is Chewy Garcia's territory. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They do not get along at all, to put it mildly. Uh, and I don't know, maybe Chewy Garcia. 
uh, will stay out of automatic races. That's the conventional wisdom. Don't get involved in automatic races if you're a mayoral candidate and vice versa, if you're an automatic candidate, uh, because you just want everybody to vote for you. You get what I'm saying? So that's like the safest, most conventional uh, tactic to take. So I don't know. Chewy was very quick to make endorsements uh, in the uh, primary of 2022 for various seats in the uh, uh, throughout the city of Chicago. I don't know if he'll be as active this go around. Uh, all right. I'll let you pick the next word that you want to talk about. Any word we, uh, you could do the 12th, you could do the 10th. Uh, yeah, let's do, 11th first. Go ahead. Whatever one you want. Do, um, let's do the 12th. Um, and since it's little village too, or no, it actually used to be little village. Now I think it's McKinley park and Brighton park. Um, so yeah, 12th war Southwest side. Um, it used to be George Godliness's ward. Um, he was a long time alderman as well. Um, and now we're seeing his chief of staff, who he immediately endorsed, um, Annabel Abarca, who's running for that seat. She was the first to announce uh, she was running for that seat. Um, and Julia Ramirez, who's a progressive candidate, she already has the support of United Working Families and a bunch of other progressive groups. Um, I believe there's also one candidate, but the name is slipping me. I'm sorry. Uh, but those are the top two contenders for that race. So that'll be interesting as well. I think a big question on my mind is uh, whether the candidates will support removing the music festivals from, from Douglas Park. Um, so that'll be interesting to hear. Um, I think that question might actually go to the 24th Ward um, Aldermanic candidates now. I have to check the, the new boundaries for all the new. Yeah. Um, but but regardless, you know, a lot of Little Village residents have, have questions about um, developments in their ward and, um, you know, things like the discount mall, for example, that's uh, expected to close soon. That was a huge um, staple of the community. And now uh, the current, well, the former alderman, George Gavina, is essentially um you know, sealed off that deal to sell it. So, um, you know, stuff like that is going to be on the minds of a lot of voters. So to be asking those questions to, to those candidates, um, what other ward is next? 11th ward is going to be interesting. Uh, that, uh, Chinatown. So that's going to be the new, uh, Asian American ward. Um, it was redrawn to ensure that, um, most of the voters in that ward are Asian American. Um, that one was huge. So Patrick Daly Thompson was a former alderman. Um, and he was forced to resign because he was convicted of tax fraud <laughs> during the long line of aldermen going to prison. Um, so after he stepped down, the, uh, the mayor appointed Nicole Lee, who um, is a longtime community resident or community member uh, of, the, of the 11th Ward. And um, she was the first Chinese American uh, to be older person, the first Asian American woman. So she already has a huge advantage. Um, you know, she has her roots in the community. Um, she already has some familiarity with the office. Um, however, there's also a long list of candidates in that office. Um, there's also Andrea Taylor, who is a uh, Chicago public school teacher. She's a member of the Chicago Teachers Union. I don't know if she has her endorsement. Um, I haven't found them anywhere, but um, but she's a CTU member. I know she's, you know, really running on that platform. Um, there's a couple others as well. Um, yesterday at the Board of Elections, I met Don Don, um, who is a longtime 11th Ward resident running. Um, he, he told me that he uh, submitted his petitions yesterday, November 28th, because in the Chinese community, the number eight is a lucky number. So he announced his campaign on September 28th, and he submitted his petitions on November 28th. So 
Um, some interesting names for yeah. Jimenez running for state Senate to, or used to run for state Senate. Is running for alderman, so, yeah. You know, uh, so this sort of a theme with Ed Burke, uh, Ed Burke's departure is a, a sign that things really uh, have changed uh, in the Chicago City Council. It's become a more of a democratic institution. And uh, the mayor can't guarantee she passed anything. She has to really wield Neil to try to get legislation through. Whereas in the old days, uh, the mayor would just dictate to the alderman. It was pretty much guaranteed. And Ed Burke would just uh, pass it on through. Uh, the sign that the city is more independent and uh, less tied to machine candidates as the 11th ward, traditionally the home of the dailies, traditionally a home of Chicago mayors uh, until Harold Washington came around. I think every mayor going back for 50 years was a Bridgeport resident. Uh, there's no daily on the ballot for aldermen this time around. I think you said seven candidates. I want to say uh, that's unheard of in the old days. Dailies, the daily machine would have, if anybody dared to run <laughs> just, dared to run they would have been in uh nomination challenge hell in fact ed burke in when was it 2015 he had one can this isn't when he was his all powerful days he put there was a woman who ran against him and she didn't officially make the ballot i want to say until either right before or after the election but she fought it through kelly you know what i mean she just wanted to make the ballot it was considered a victory that's how much things have changed uh and in the 11th Ward, I seven people running for Alderman, six challengers uh, to Nicole A. So uh, the 11th Ward has definitely changed from what it was uh, in the days past. A sign that Chicago um, has changed, I would say, for the better. Uh, all right, we'll do one last ward, uh, and I'll pick it. Uh, the first ward, uh, this is on the north side at Proco Joe Moreno was the alderman forever. He could have been the alderman forever. And then he had a breakdown, uh, well, got in all kinds of trouble. Uh, ended up, I think he did a, a spend a few days in the Cook County Jail and um, lost to, to Danny Laspada. Uh, now he's running again. Man, I'll tell you, Kelly Garcia. I don't know. That's a kind of early for a comeback. You know what I mean? <laughs> it wasn't even like two years ago. He's already, oh, I'm healthy. I'm healed. Vote for me. Come on, Broco Joe. At least wait like four extra years before you try to do something like, you know, be a missionary or something. I don't know. Show the world that you've really changed. No, you already yeah. uh, changed. But Anyway, your thoughts on the first ward. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even that long ago that he was on the news because he he like I think he was driving under the influence and he crashed into like eight yes. cars in the Gold Coast. Come on, man, that was like literally this year. I'm no, pretty sure that was earlier ago. this year. Like, come on. I, I um, was about two years ago, but whatever. Your points well taken. Okay, I would choose, but yeah, you know what? Like, not that I'll have long. my like, crack like, research team look it up. Meaning me. Yeah, okay. yeah. Can you, can you keep yeah. talking though? Go ahead while I look it up. Yeah, yeah, no, but yeah, the point is that like it wasn't that long ago, right? And like yeah. residents aren't gonna forget that. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting race in the first ward. Um, Daniel Espada actually, he was doing a campaign event, um, I want to say a couple months ago, and it was like a bike ride uh, through West Town, and someone actually threw a, a drink at him uh, during his campaign event, and he says that uh, Joe Moreno was in the crowd of the people who were throwing drinks at him. Um, but, um, Moreno denied it was there. Um, but yeah, you know, I think 
Moreno aside, because I don't really take him seriously in this race, for being honest, I really think that the real challenge here is Andy Schneider. Um, if I got the, yeah, Andy Schneider, Stephen Andy Schneider. Um, he is, um, he's a, a really well-known community member. He is a part of the Logan, Logan Square Preservation Group. I'm getting that name wrong, but the um, point is that he's had a hand on a lot of developments in Logan Square, so he's really well-known. Um, Sam Royko is also running um, in the first ward. He is the son of columnist Mike Royko. Am I saying that right, Mike Royko? Royko, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's running on a platform of tackling uh, crime in the ward, so I think he's pandering more to, like, that conservative right-wing crowd um, up north. But, yeah. I don't really, Joe Moreno, come on, man. Come on. All right. You know what? I wish I made a bet with you because for once in my life, I would have won. Usually I make these bets with guests on the show and I almost always lose. But I looked at our crack, our crack research team on the Ben Jarofsky show, uh, meaning me, looked it up. Uh, and uh, in December 2020, Chicago police reported that Moreno had sideswiped eight cars over four street blocks. So December 2020 means the case was ongoing uh, in the early part of 2021. And I, come on, Proko, that's a year ago. Come on, man. You got to, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? I mean, I do believe in rehabilitation. I do believe in people turning their life around. I absolutely believe that Kelly. There's a lot of people in my life who turn their lives around, but you got to let a little time lapse and show the world, do something, you know, like restitution. It's like a real deal. You don't just announce I'm all better. Vote for me again. You know, you make a contribution to humanity or something, you know, volunteer time or something. That's just my take on it. You know what I mean? The guy, one year later, he's vote for me and I'll set you free. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, no, uh, Schneider and uh, both, all three keep, I've been on the show, Schneider, Royko, and uh, Daniel Espada. I always get nervous, and this is uh, this is the lefty in me, uh, Kelly, follow me on this. Like, I feel like I'm so out of step with most Chicagoans, politically speaking, because I'm on the left, I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter, that I just always work from the assumption that anybody who agrees with me on politics is at a disadvantage and people tell me, no, Ben, you're, you're, <laughs> it's not as bad as you think. And they point out like that Bernie Sanders did really well in a lot of district. Bernie Sanders won, um, Chuy Garcia's district, for instance, you know? So I'm on my Dan LaSpada is a democratic socialist. Uh, he comes at things from the left and, uh, he's taken some really courageous stands in the Chicago city council. And I give him a lot of credit for it. And so of course I assume, Oh, that's a kiss of death. You know, all these yuppies are going to vote for uh, whoever the anti-crime candidate is. Um, but I, I could be wrong for once in my life. I could be wrong, uh, on, on this particular issue. I'm wrong about a lot of things, Kelly, but on this particular issue that maybe lefties aren't as out of touch with Chicago voters as traditionally have you, you what's your thought on this how popular is like a bernie sanders worldview in the city of chicago in your opinion well honestly i think you know 
we're going to see a lot of, of damage from from all that anti-bail reform rhetoric that happened over the summer and, and into the fall. Um, I think a lot of the, the conversations around crime and violence is, is shaping elections. Um, and it has damage on a lot of these progressive candidates who support um, real measures uh, to 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 breaking down systemic racism and ending uh, ending uh, cash bail. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I think I don't think leftists and socialist candidates are out of touch with real Chicago voters. Um, but I, I do think that we're seeing a backlash um, from a lot of um, the reforms that were passed through the Safety Act, um, through the uh, Pre-Child Fairness Act. And so, you know, we're going to have to keep our eye, on, our, our eye on that. But if we use the... Uh, the midterm elections as any type of measure. Honestly, we didn't see a lot of candidates lose their seats, a lot of progressive candidates lose their seats. Um, and so maybe all that rhetoric was just talk and there wasn't uh, like a huge wave, like a huge red wave. You know, we didn't see that red wave. Um, so who knows? You know, I, I still think that that progressive candidates in Chicago really do have to fight hard for their seats because we are talking about the city of Chicago. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know, honestly. Yeah, that's um, uh, one of the uh, many unknowns that's a, that um, will be demonstrated one way or the other come February. All right, we run out of time. We didn't even get to the police. We're just going to bring you back. We're going to do a whole separate show, I think, uh, <laughs> on the race uh, for um, the police council. It's a brand new election uh, for in the city of Chicago. A lot of candidates. Well, how many? There's how many districts? You told me there's um, Twenty-two districts, but it, uh, I think nineteen. This is the number I was trying to remember. Nineteen. There's multiple candidates uh, yeah. for a, 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 an obscure first-time race. They, the rules haven't even been set uh, on whether you can challenge. You know what I'm saying? Like it's so unknown. Uh, it's the first yeah. time out out of the box. Uh, so we'll take a deeper dive in that at another time because we've uh, run out of time. Kelly Garcia, you want to promote any stories before I let you go or are you going to keep everything a secret? Like so many reporters <laughs> do when they come on our show and they go, you'll have to read it later. Anything you want to promote before I let you get out the door? Nah, I'm not going to keep it a secret. Um, we're working on a story about the history of challenging petitions. So check out our next issue, the Chicago Reader, so that you can get all the ins and outs about challenging and, and getting your opponents kicked off the ballot. That's my, my favorite part of the Chicago election season. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Oh, my God. And that is really kicking into gear. Uh, if you go to the board, Chicago Board of Elections site, they already have the site up. So you got all the people who filed their petitions to run for office. And then you have the challenge page, which uh, their opponents are challenging to kick them off. And this one, we didn't even get a chance to talk about. This one is an interesting one. Uh, second ward um, alderman, Brian Hopkins is unopposed for reelection. So he's already announced that he's going to put his little a team together of an uh, election challenge experts to uh, review Lori Lightfoot's petitions. He so dislikes mayor Lori Lightfoot that he is going to do what he can to kick her off the ballot, which is mind blowing. Again, how much the mayor's powers diminished. You know what I'm yeah. saying? The thought that someone would openly defy mayor daily this way, it would be someone on a complete on the margins of Chicago politics, a Jay stone type or something on the complete margins would have the guts to do this. The fact that a sitting alderman who's so powerful in the second war that no one dares to run against him, the guy who championed the Lincoln yards, Tiff 
You know what I mean? That guy. Yeah. <laughs> that guy is, uh, yeah. is openly saying, I'm going to go look at Lori Lightfoot's because I don't like her. Uh, Kelly, that is going to be uh, very interesting. If Brian Hopkins does follow up on his threat uh, and uh, has a challenge against Lori Lightfoot, because the thought of Lori Lightfoot getting kicked off the ballot, incumbent mayor, you know, she was late. She waited to the last day, uh, Kelly, to file those petitions. A lot of people are going, mm, you know. And I'm sure Brian Hopkins is not the only one who's going to challenge her petitions either. So she she's really got it coming for her. So yeah, oh yeah, Willie Wilson, Ricky Hendon, I see you out there. You. Ricky, <laughs> Hendon. Ricky Hendon's already challenging Jamal Green, Green again. So oh He's man. Already- He's already on top of it. <laughs> Go see City So Real, the documentary yeah. about the 2019 election. You watch the last time Ricky Hendon challenged Jamal Green. He almost came to blows. Uh, so Ricky Hendon knows how the game is played. Yes, indeed, he does. Another longtime guest on the show. All right, Kelly Garcia, thank you very much. Keep up the good work. And I'll see you at the reader party tomorrow. There's a reader party yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, I'll uh, see you See you at the party. Then I'll see you at First Tuesday. You're going to be there. So thank you very much for supporting me uh, and Maya at First Tuesday. Thank you very much, Kelly. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, Beth. That's great, Kelly Garcia. I also want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And it's Kelly Garcia and Jesus Garcia will tell you back home in Alton. They call him Dr. D and the D stands for Demarvelous. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. Mm -hmm.